You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring, and SunWiz, the creators of the powerful PV cell software. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid and the Driven the EV website just to boot. And I'm joined as usual by Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, how are you? Well, I'm glad you're here, Giles, because, you know, frankly, without you, the sun forgets to shine. <laughs> Look, I don't think that's entirely true, actually. <laughs> well, no, actually <laughs> it's been quite a bit, funny. A, a bit of an ABC fact check. I think we'll probably find that to shoot that one down no, in flames I, pretty damn quickly. Know, <laughs> what I mean to say is I miss you terribly when we don't get to have these little chats, mate. So I know. know. Look, we were, we were kind of stuck last week. I was, um, yeah, I was kind of stuck busy? in Sydney. I was busy. Um, and... Um, and uh, yeah, it just didn't happen. So um, very unfortunate. Look, apologies to the um, apologies to all the listeners too, who sort of hang off our every word. And um, yes, I've know. been getting ropeable messages. Oh, ropeable Where's messages. the podcast? Where's the podcast? <laughs> well, here it is. Here it is in all its glory, <laughs> mate. Look, just as well we did work. Wait a week because um, God, Soul of Victoria. Um, so one step forward, two steps back. I don't know. Um, oh dear. Let's start with the good part. They responded to the um, industry's suggestions and um, decided to fast track and fast forward a fair share of the of the quota just to keep the sort of the industry going along as it might expect. So um, what yep. did you make of that? Well, credit where credit's due. Um, the, um, the ramping up of the number of rebates that are available and then tapering it down over time was actually what a number of industry people I spoke to who were talking to the government in the early stages of developing the program suggested. So um, I think it's terrific. We all know that when you introduce incentive schemes, they tend to go off like a cracker at the beginning and then they kind of settle down. So it's a logical thing to do. Um, it took us a while to get there, but, you know, eventually um, um, the Premier Andrews acquiesced and, and you know, is, is going to help tremendously um, to get industry back and rolling, back up and rolling and, you know, secure um, solar installs and yeah. jobs for solar installers. So, and yeah. look, there's, there's, nothing, there's actually nothing wrong with sensible adjustments to a, um, a, a scheme. I mean, I think um, it seems it's to me... It's essential. It is essential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it seemed to me for a while that the Premier was absolutely terrified and mortified by the prospect that he might actually have to sort of change the details, the fine details of an election promise. Well, it was a mighty fine election promise, but um, if the details prove it to be a failure, more of a failure than a success, then um, he did. But anyway, look, the, the, it, it came through. They, they made the changes and um, all credit to them, as you said. But Jesus, what's However. happened since? However, <laughs> big coach. Look, I feel for the guys at Solar Victoria. We don't actually know what the hell's gone wrong, but um, bloody hell! I mean, talk about yeah. Sod's Law. Oh um, yeah, and, and 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 also sort of throwing stones in glass houses. I mean, you know, we we on Renew Economy sort of depend on being online all the time. And um, look, we had a major stuff up last year where I think we were offline for three days. Yep, um, and um, that should have been unstressful, but it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have to work for three days, but uh, I just was sat there looking at the computer saying, when are you going to work? When are you going to work? Um, and uh, it looks like something's happened to them. What, what, what's, what, what do you know? 
Uh, all I know, I, I saw a little um, little snippet today that said it may be related to a connection to the CRM system they're using, which is Salesforce, um, and um, they've undoubtedly got some connections in there to capture all the end user details and the installer details and build a big database. And, and I believe, according to something I read, that it was Salesforce related. And so, yeah, look, those systems are big. They're very complex. They require people with um, enormous brains to get right, and, uh, and clearly something they've done has gone wrong. Um, um, these things do happen, as you say, and um, enormous brains or just coding skills. Other two mutually exclusive. Look, when I listen to the guys here who do coding, I go, "Oh my goodness, um, they really do have enormous brains. They have a capacity to think in a different way." And um, just you know, speak in an impenetrable language. Right? Yeah, they Most do. These little noughts yeah. and ones, aren't they? Yeah, very strange language they speak. But you know, um, look, it's it's undoubtedly um, gone from simply being, you know, a failure that needed to be adjusted to being something of a fiasco now and um so you know it's i suspect i guess it's it's not really anyone's fault these things do happen um it is terribly the consequences are are dire so you know we just got to cross our fingers that they can get it fixed quickly Absolutely, yeah, and we're recording this on the Tuesday night, and um, hopefully the podcast goes up on Wednesday, so hopefully by Wednesday there's actually um, a bit of a sign of moving forward. Um, Where it does get going, it's going to be interesting to see um, what happens, how quickly things go out the door, what Mm. sort of share people get, so Mm. um, yes. um, They've split it into tranches now as well, so there's two tranches a month, if I um, recall correctly, Um, so they're going to roll it out in a couple of lumps, which keeps the flow going uh, over the month, which is also terrific, and going back to the point earlier on adjustment, you know, a lesson that we've learned in, and in fact has been documented many times is that solar schemes need to be adjusted. Geez, the, the famous German scheme um, that, you know, really kicked off uh, feed-in tariffs around the world had a constant adjustment where they looked at the price of solar and um, market demand and market forces and, and, and you know, and they didn't let the market overheat. They'd reduce the rebate if the market was overheat. Alternatively, if foreign exchange collapsed like it has in Australia at the moment and the cost of solar gets worse, then maybe a little bit more support is warranted. So, I, you know, um, I think there's a there's a big lesson here for the government in in um, in adaptability and being ready to make changes swiftly as the market moves around them. Hey, just picking up on that point about the um, exchange rate. So, what are we what are we seeing happening then in the Australian market? Presumably, because we import everything, and that'll be um, pretty much ninety nine percent of the solar panels and the inverters and um, and, and what have you. Um, pretty much all of it. Yep. Pretty much all of it. Yep. Um, yeah. So, we, are we seeing some price rises? Yeah, look, I haven't seen them flow through into price lists yet, um, but I was talking to a fairly large wholesaler the other day who said, yeah, it's impacting us straight away. There was no lag, just bang, as soon as that rate goes down. Now, the, the bigger guys are hedged and, you know, they've got some protection in place against these um, these fluctuations. Um, um, but, of course, there's always a point at which, you know, you run out of hedge and there's been some big shifts in foreign exchange. So w- we would expect these to flow through. Margins are very tight in the industry already so we would expect once the existing stock is flushed out um, you would expect some price rises to flow through at the wholesale level whether that'll pass on to consumers don't know Um, you know with solar systems being so gobsmackingly cheap at the moment you know it's maybe going to make a difference of a a hundred bucks or a couple of hundred bucks um, at a rough calculation Um, but there certainly could be an impact Indeed, yeah, it looks like I was just trying to find the unmute button. <laughs> <laughs> there you 
go. That's sort of the uh, that's a, that's, that's a total reveal of the mechanics. So you might be right about the coding, the coders with the bigger brains. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, but look, actually, talk about solar costs. Um, we just did this um, fascinating story today, and it's Tuesday. And uh, I know you got some news from um, from the Mojave Desert and also from Italy. But this is one done by University um, Larapinita or whatever it is in in in, in Finland. And the guy we actually had on the Energy Insiders uh, contest, um, Christian Breyer, and um, really fascinating guy, and uh, talking about transition to 100% renewables and, and electrification of transport. And he's just done this really interesting study on solar PV in Europe. And guess what? Solar PV in all the major capitals, including Helsinki in Finland and London, England, um, are cheaper than the wholesale price of electricity. Is that right? Um, and in places like Spain and Italy, um, they are way cheaper than the whole, the spot price of the average spot price of electricity. So that is fascinating. Um, in fact, about the only place where it wasn't really that much cheaper than the wholesale price of electricity was in Germany. And that's only because Germany's got so much renewables, they've got the lowest wholesale price of electricity of them all, which Already. is <laughs> something we should actually probably remind people about who keep on sort of saying that Germany sort of sent the price of electricity up. Um, let's just recap that the retail price of electricity is heavily taxed for other reasons and has always and has forever been thus. Mm. So just get rid of one myth. And the other thing about this report was that in a couple of cities already, solar plus two hours of storage is already um, matching the spot price of electricity. And we, by 2020 and by 2025, um, solar with either one hour or two hours of storage will be matching wholesale electricity prices in the sunny capitals of London and um, Helsinki. So, good lord. Just goes to show the solar as a bulk energy cost really is something of a no brainer. He actually sort of. Oh, we're there. With well, he throws forward to 2030, 2040, um, 2050 and just sort of says, well, look, this is just like a bit of a no-brainer about this bulk electricity. So all you've got to do is sort of fill in the gaps um, with storage and dispatchable energy. And um, if a couple of hours of storage is going to fill in a lot of the gaps, um, then you probably throw some more sort of, you know, longer-term storage and seasonal storage. Um, yeah, really no contest. And he just made the point that the solar PV continues on a global level continues to um, fall quicker than anyone thought. Yep. Um, it's way ahead of all the policymakers and even the big energy institutions like the IEA and um, yep. and stuff like that. So when people are making their forecasts of, oh, shit, you know, climate change is happening, the symptoms are getting worse, we really should be acting, we should be doing something, well, they should be able to arm themselves with this knowledge that the technology solutions are actually much cheaper than they realise. And that should give them confidence. And it's a shame, it's actually quite important, Christian Breyer points out, because if we know that they're cheaper, we know that it's that low cost, then we can actually embrace them and actually accelerate this transition rather than trying to argue stupid things like we hear in Australia that coal is cheap or we should be thinking about nuclear, which is, you know... Um, yeah, it's speechless, speechless. Speechless, yeah. speechless. So that's interesting. But look, obviously not Europe, not just Europe. I mean, you've got some news from, um, from, from Mojave. California. What's, yeah, what's happening right. in the Mojave Desert? Well, another example of exactly the same thing, in fact. There was uh, a really interesting story that I picked up from Los Angeles where um, – uh, city officials have actually been sitting on a contract that they were provided to get energy from a 200 megawatt PV plant at two cents per kilowatt hour. Two cents per kilowatt hour. So, um, you know, astoundingly, astoundingly cheap 
um, energy. In fact, um, the point that was kind of highlighted in this story was that the city officials had a run-in with the with the local labor union or the union movement over the fact that they'd shut down th- recently shut down three gas-fired power plants, and the reason was was because this solar offer had come to them that was generating energy cheaper than the gas-fired power plants. So you know that's two cents per kilowatt hour that they can do, um, but they could add two hundred megawatts of storage to the facility and still only get it to three point three. Uh, to 3.3 cents per kilowatt hour and then add another 100 megawatts megawatt hours on if you no, it's megawatts actually i beg your pardon another 300 meg of 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 storage and you and you're um uh you're you're only at 2.9 so uh, you know anywhere between two and sort of three and a bit cents you're doing solar and storage in large scale now which is cheaper than gas-fired power plants so same thing there and and this is a really interesting one because the you know for the for the council there the local city officials they're having to grapple they they've they've got this on their plate they're not just speculating about it or worrying about anything except these two offers that they've got one which is for expensive gas-fired power and one's for for cheap solar and storage so um you know the realities hit home there now so another yeah. another example of how how low cost that is Absolutely. And there's been a few examples over there too, um, in Texas as well, um, Austin, Texas, um, Denver, Colorado, and a couple of other places where they've done similar sort of tenders. And they've found in each occasion, it's either a mix of wind, wind and, and storage or solar and storage, particularly that beats these gas-fired peaking plants because they're looking for dispatchable capacity. And they're going, well, we're not going to do gas now because that's too expensive. And that's in America with supposedly cheap gas prices. So you right. would have thought the opportunity would have been here in Australia as well. But um but maybe once we move to the five-minute settlement, maybe that will actually happen because, um, you know, it's not quite as simple as just sort of adding up a couple of costs. You know, it depends on the, the framework of the market and stuff like that. So, it does. Um, it does. Yeah, no, really interesting stuff. Speaking of um, speaking of garbage um, uh, and, and around policy, um, <laughs> going, for, <laughs> going for right from the big-scale stuff and how the world can change, there was a great story this week about solar bins. Um, there was actually a little story that, um, local to me, uh, Shelley Beach, just at the southern end of Manly, where they announced that they're going to put in some smart bins there. I don't know if you've come across these, Giles, but th- these are absolutely fantastic examples of solar at a micro level and what it can achieve. The simple principle is it's a bin. It's got a solar panel in the top, but inside it's got a couple of clever things. Number one, it's got a compactor in it, so it can actually compact the garbage. Um, and they can actually fit about five times as much in a bin as you would normally fit in. You know, you see bins spilling over, especially at popular tourist spots like Shelley Beach. You know, they get inundated with tourists and the bin fills up. This thing compacts it down, all run by the battery and solar panel. On top of that, what it has is a little sensor in it that tells the council when it needs emptying. Now, what this means is that they reduce their fuel consumption for garbage trucks by about 80% per bin because they're only going there when the bin tells them it's full instead of doing a scheduled run. I think it's just the most glorious little example of what you can do on a small scale to have a really significant impact anyone who's listens to garbage trucks knows they're not much fun to to see scooting around um and so these things are starting to pop up all over the place now so um that's um, fantastic yeah they're a terrific little piece of technology Oh look! I just thought you know. I was, I was look. I was just trying to think of a funny, funny joke about your former, your former local member, your former member of parliament. You know, the Tony Abbott smart solar bin or something like that. You know, Tony will tell you when to, when to throw it out. Um, something. But, um, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> and look, and, but, but that's good. And look, I think there's been a couple of um, garbage trucks actually with in, in Melbourne which have actually gone electric, and there's no reason why they shouldn't go um, electric elsewhere because they do make a bloody racket. Huge racket. Revving up of the um, things. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what else yeah. you got for me, Nigel? Um, so there was an announcement by um, local company Bluevolt, a little startup. Um, they have come out of Energy Lab, who are doing a great job uh, sort of incubating um, so, uh, renewables and solar and sort of high tech businesses all around the country. I think they've got three offices or three labs is, now. Is that Nick Lake's mob? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Nick's there mob. There you go. Hi, yeah. Nick. Um, yeah. So they've done a great job um, sort of helping, you know, get Blue Vault up and running. They've been there for a few years, a bunch of ex-UNSW people who've been chipping away at this idea of, um, you know, uh, basically it's a micro-PV system and their, their, their goal is to try and make uh, solar accessible, particularly for people in apartments where they don't have access to roof space or, you know, these little applications where, you know, maybe you can shove, shove one or two panels on the on the veranda or on the awning or, or, or somewhere without affecting your tenancy or, you you know, I'm a tenant. Um, something that's completely portable that I can literally just plug in would would be a benefit. Um, so, th- I, as I understand it, the system's designed to potentially be plugged into a PowerPoint. Ultimately, that'll be their big challenge, and they've raised a quarter of a million bucks now to go through on some more development stuff. Or you can indeed just plug stuff into it. it has a little self-contained battery. Um, so, kind of cool, and it's interesting because there's been these sort of plug-and-play solar systems uh, have hovered around particularly in the US uh, for a while, and there's been talk of them in Australia for some time, there are some safety challenges. There are some, um, um, you know, risks associated with um, with uh, making it truly plug or play. So they've got some challenges to overcome. Um, but um, good on them for persevering and trying to find a way to make solar more accessible. Wish them the best of luck. It'd be interesting to see what their challenge is, whether it's going to be technology or whether it's going to be regulatory or institutional. Indeed, indeed. And I, th- yeah. I think it could be a number of them. I think it could be a number of them. Mm. <laughs> Fighting on all fronts. Oh, well, congratulations to them. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. indeed, there indeed, indeed. Anyway. Um, um, go on. No, you go. Great solar people. Great solar people. I try to do this every week just to rem- just to bring some humanisation um, to the podcast, Giles, because, you know, not a day goes by. When because we're not, we're not humans. People. <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of humans. A lot of humans. A lot of, a lot of humans in Victoria having a tough time and, um, you know, but but equally, a lot of people who are out there doing great stuff, and I wanted to recognise a guy who I bumped into um, recently when I was up in North Queensland, Max Enfield. Max is your classic, original, gracefully ageing old solar-powered hippie. He's been doing this for nearly 30 years, um, a really technical guy. He's uh, the regional coordinator for our SEIA up there now and been, um, spends a lot of time voluntarily trying to help the industry and trying to help young players come into the industry, trying to educate the younger um, and less experienced businesses and give them some tips from the past. Um, uh, most humble, gracious, interesting um, character lives, in, uh, lives up on the Atherton Tablelands there or, or up around that area. So um, shout out to Max Enfield, you know, one of those – genuine solar pioneers who's been at it for a long time and may we all be um gracefully aging solar powered hippies um <laughs> that's indeed. something to aspire to indeed yeah indeed. i just sent a letter to the energy minister angus taylor you can be one of them too but, um, anyway never mind <laughs> but look not everything's good some things are bad um now um the consumer um and business services in south australia just very briefly um, have um, warned consumers against doing business with a um, 
company called SA Energy Group, lots they of complaints have. and stuff like that. And mm. uh, look, I think SA Energy Group have actually sort of gotten pretty upset about that and been called out about it. But um, look, um, that's what the consumer and business services did. And uh, they've made that warning, warning. so um, possibly double-check um, before going on. Mm. Um, more happy news, um, Smart Energy Conference next week. Yeah, a little event up in Brisbane. I'm quite excited to be getting up there. The um, Smart Energy Council have been running a lot of events. In fact, I think they had a Solar Victoria party planned for this week, um, a celebratory party. I don't know if that went ahead, given oh, my invitation must have got lost in the yeah. mail. <laughs> Um, there was certainly one planned, um, so I must follow up and find out if they um, if they went ahead with that. But anyway, um, they do have an event in Brisbane next Tuesday, uh, which uh, I happen to be one of the speakers there, Giles. Um, oh so gosh, I'll definitely be there because I'm on... <laughs> I've committed to something and must write a presentation about something. Um, but well, then, you, be, you better do that. Look, I'm, I'll be on my last week of fossil fuel driving next week, so um, I'll have to work out whether I can uh, whether I can make it or not. You know, oh. um, you know. There you go. There you go. Um, that's exciting. Um, yeah, I must admit, being well, we'll come back to EVs. Perhaps we'll come back to EVs. But yeah, if you're in Brisbane, do come along Tuesday. Um, it's um, up at uh, up at the showgrounds, actually, just on the edge of town. So, uh, great range of speakers. Um, always, always great networking. So, um, see you in Brisbane next Tuesday if you can make it. Cool. Okay. Mm. Done. 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 And- done. Done. And, and, and Teslas are starting to be delivered. There's been stories of, you know, sightings of trucks, car trucks, shipping Tesla Model 3s around the country. And I keep getting calls from my friends who, who had orders. And in fact, uh, one of them, I actually went to his house the other day and um, uh, with an installer and we sized him up for an expansion and a new battery and some new technology, actually, that's going to do some smart management of the solar energy, diverting it to his EV to optimize the charging of his Tesla 3 that's due very soon. So um, oh, I better know, talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah. The um, it's interesting. Some of this new gear that's coming out allows you to intelligently dump the solar excess rather into the car, rather than dumping it out into the network. In his case, we're going to put a battery in as well, so it's going to be, you know, deliberating whether to dump it into the battery or dump it into the vehicle battery or, or export it to the grid. So we'll put some intelligent stuff there as a pilot site um, with yeah, the clever guys cool. from yeah, it's the clever guys from Delta who, yeah. who are doing some good stuff. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm. Um, I have to talk to you in more detail about that because I've got mine coming in two weeks, so um, that's pretty exciting. And um, I actually got—I was lucky enough because when I was down in Sydney last week, in fact, the, the week before, I got to drive one for about four days, and I whipped it down to Canberra and back to see my mum. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was staying at my mother's little place in one residence in in one sort of you know old old, old care home up in um, in, in northern suburbs in Sydney, and sort of whipped down to Canberra and stayed in another. Um, retirement village down in Canberra, so oh. the um, <laughs> perfect place for a Tesla Model Three <laughs> performance version. But um, God, look, it was great. It was was just, it? Yeah, um, yeah, nice to drive. yeah, no pretty doubt. awesome. Nice to drive. Um, really interesting, just dealing with a 15-inch screen and not having anything else. Just got a couple of paddles on the steering wheel. Yeah, um, and um, you get accustomed to that. You do. We have yeah. to. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Look, a couple of times I sort of stared. I, I sort of glanced down and uh, looked through the steering wheel at the dials and the speedo that wasn't there. Actually, off to the left now. Hmm. Um, so, um, but look, I quite like the. Uh, you know, going on the highway, it's c- kind of fun. But look, there's not much you can do on the highway, so you might as well just go into. Um, um, autopilot. You know, autopilot. Um, yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so that's pretty cool. 
And, nice. um, and when you do want to accelerate, it's just sensational. So, um, yeah, nice. no, just fantastic. And, and quiet too. Very of little course. road noise. Yeah. And then I stopped off in Goulburn, got a cup of coffee. And a, and and a supercharge? Um, had a supercharge and it texted nice. me when it was finished. Nice. And, um, you know, so the whole thing was done in about 20 minutes. And, um, oh. yeah. so I had to That's what you want, isn't my... it? I mean, that's the nice thing about them. When everything works, it is really a very, very simple way to operate a vehicle. Um, way simpler than a petrol vehicle. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking no. of um, speaking of EVs, I see um, that um, our friend Michelle from Fonzarelli's released a new um, vehicle um, this week. In fact, a new version. She's had yeah, the scooter. Yeah, what do you make of it? Well, it's kind of interesting. A friend of mine actually got to ride. Oh, it's, a bit, it's a bit Mad Max, isn't it? It is a little bit. Yeah, it's a little bit steampunky, sort of Mad Maxy <laughs> kind of. It's got a little bit of that thing going on. I don't mind the look of it. I, I don't know that it's my type of machine, but I haven't seen it in the flesh yet. And and a good buddy of mine who's also a, a zero owner, um, he was he was glowing. He really really liked it. Um, and it's interesting. There's a growing number, a huge number now of these lower powered bikes that don't have the range and don't have the high speed but for a round city they make enormous sense and they're small and they're light and they're consequently a whole lot cheaper so as a city as a pure city bike there's a trend around the world when you look at what a lot of electric motorcycle um, uh, manufacturers are doing and designers are doing there is there is model after model after model after model after model that is coming out at this lower range lower power sort of spec so clearly you know a few people have done their numbers and gone this is the way to make them affordable and get entry-level electric bikes out there um so um you know michelle you're only down the road love a test ride Got a charging station here at the office. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And look, she's talking about doing a manufacturing facility over in Adelaide. So that's quite South Australia. That's yeah, right. South Australia. Yeah, yes, she's yeah. obviously got some incentive to go over there, which is terrific news. Well, they used to have a car industry over there, so um, they've probably got a bit of know-how, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and they might have one again. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But look, I just wonder. Um, it just seems like it seems like an obvious transition, just having little um, electric motorcycles sort of running around the city, particularly in something which is sort of challenged like Sydney. I, just, I wonder to what extent it's going to take off. Well, when you look around big cities all around the world, and that includes Sydney, I mean, the proliferation of little scooters is profound, Giles. You know, they make an awful lot of sense. And when I commute, my, my commute's almost 40 k's across Sydney. Um, and, uh, you know, when I commute across there, the number of scooters that I see is, is just, in fact, they've been growing. The registration of scooter numbers have been growing quite dramatically over the last five years or so. So, you know, clearly the lower cost entry level vehicles are a really good option. It means that you can often use the bus lanes or you can legally lane split in New South Wales in certain situations so you can shave an enormous amount of time off your journey um, you have extraordinarily low running costs even on the little petrol ones but of course on electric one it's 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 so small it's uh, not even worth considering so you know if they can get these out on the market at the right price the performance will be equal or better than most of their petrol equivalents um, so yeah I think there's a I think there's a huge future for them and of course that's what's huge in China as well, this same sort of package, which is clearly part of why they're driving, um, they're being driven in such huge volumes. Well, it's going to be very interesting. And um, look, on, on that note, we actually had a, um, a um, the Driven hosted and Renew Economy um, co-hosted an electric vehicle conference in, um, oh, yes. in Sydney last week. Yes, oh, I was 
More of one, notable, one notable absentee. But um, <laughs> look, it actually went pretty well, actually. The feedback we got was really, really good. Um, look, it was very much business to business. It wasn't like an expo, sort of, you know, showing off lots of models to the punters and things like that. It was very much sort of looking at, okay, you know, how do we get this transition? So it was sort of people talking about the sort of policies and the incentives that we needed, yeah. how to integrate it in the grid. And it was fascinating hearing from all the different companies. And like, you know, Australia's actually got some really clued up people working oh, sure in the software, like Green Sync and other yep. people, Everty. Yep. Um, yep. It's got these um, fast charging manufacturers like, um, Tritium. like Tritium, of course. Yep. Um, you know, some pretty progressive other companies, ChargePoint and um, EV Networks. Yep. Um, and it was fascinating. And look, all the networks were talking about it. And we heard from the Arena and CFC and Australian Energy Market Operator, which is pretty interesting. So um, what was the big takeaway for you? I mean, you, you were busy, clearly. You had to be doing some stuff. But what was the thing that really stuck out for you out of the whole thing, Charles? Look, probably the best speech actually came from Mark Butler, which was quite funny because we're just sort of thinking, God, wouldn't it be fantastic if we actually had a government in place that was kind of embracing this technology and saying, oh, yeah, right out, let's do it, you know, and just sort of you know, giving some sort of vision. And I guess the takeout um, after hearing from him and, and, and his sort of frustration um, and kind of what went wrong in the election campaign was that, yes, this transition will happen, but it's just going to take a lot more effort. Um, yeah. And um, But look, people are pretty excited about it. I think people are sort of looking at the details now and yeah. maybe they're taking the opportunities to get some of the things in the background right. Um, you know, sort of looking at the sort of the details of how to integrate EVs into the grid and things like that. But really, you know, the technologies are there. We kind of got to get going. It would just be so much easier if we actually had, you know, a government that actually recognised and admitted you know, to its own reports. I mean, its own reports assume a fairly fast transition to electric vehicles. And if you think about it, you know, we are not a te- we're a technology taker. The whole world is shifting. The cost will come down sometime in the 2020s, possibly early in the, you know, 2023, but most likely maybe 2025, 26. Mm-hmm. Electric vehicles are going to hit price parity or be close enough to it with, with fossil fuel vehicles. I just can't see. I mean, ha- ha- how do you stop that transition? I mean... Um, Why would you stop? Why would you stop it? How do you stop it? You know, get ready for it. Just admit it is coming. And, um, you know, it's just, um, it just drives you crazy. And I guess you actually sort of take that whole attitude and you just think, well, God, the same thing would happen with renewables. And it's really amazing now that the only place in Australia where renewables is actually happening is in South Australia, which has got a Liberal government. Because they kind of looked at what they've got. They're 50% renewables now. They can see what's obvious in front of them. There's a whole bunch of other wind and solar projects. The bulk cost of electricity through wind and solar is really cheap. Cheap. The storage solutions are there now. So let's go and do net 100% renewables by 2030, the state coalition government says, and they're going to get there way quicker than that. And another thing we heard from the conference was um, the ACT, um, Climate Change and Energy Minister Shane Rattenbury, the only Green minister we have in the whole of Australia. Um, he's actually a member of the Greens Party who are in sort of in coalition with the um, with the Labor government in, in the ACT. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to reach 100% renewables um, by next month, I think, or maybe it's October when the last of the contracts oh, wow. for wind farms starts delivering. Now, look, that's wow. not a strict 100% renewables because it's not an isolated and distinct grid. They're just right, part of the New South Wales grid, but they've just basically, you know, contracted energy, to meet energy, the equivalent. E- energy equivalent, yeah, sure. Energy equivalent. Yeah. And so their next phase is basically shifting transport. So transport now is by far the biggest contributor to their emissions. So that's the next thing. And they're rolling out sort of fleet purchases um, 
for the government and then just looking at ways to encourage more private take-up. A bit harder for them because they're just a small town or a, a city in a broader country, but they're trying to do as much as they can, encouraging the fleet owners and providing the incentives and the charging networks and having a look at hydrogen cars as well and things like that. So um, that was pretty interesting. Fantastic. Yeah, no, look, and we got really good feedback and um, it was really well organised and Thanks to um, my partner and the uh, producer of this podcast as well, who did a fantastic job organising organizing the details of that. And it went, it went down really well. You know, right down to the compostable name tags and the... Oh, um, and good the, job, um, Anne. Oh, look, you know... What would we do without Anne? Everything. What, should what, give her a T-shirt. Question. Don't even charge her. Just give her one. <laughs> give her a free T-shirt? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we should have a ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're going to do another one of those, I think, next year. Make it a bit bigger and um, and hear from a few international people as well. Fantastic. Because, um, There'll be Australia, heaps to talk about next year. Yeah, well, that's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what else have we got on the menu today, mate? Um, uh, mate, I, you know what we haven't done is we haven't thanked the sponsors. We should thank the sponsors. And before you jump in and do that, I want to thank listeners because um, I had a little push on social media to get try and get um, some more likes and, and, and help us um, climb up the rankings so that people can find this podcast more easily. And it was pretty interesting because when you Google around and look at all the podcasting um, applications around the world and all the different sites and you start looking for solar podcasts, Giles, do you know, we're one of the top solar ranking podcasts in the world. We actually do really, really well, um, and um, that's terrific. Um, but, of course, the more likes we get and the more you know support we get from listeners, we have thousands of, of really great listeners out there, but please take the time to jump on iTunes. It's not easy, but persevere if you would. Give us a few likes. Give us your feedback. Give us your comments. Please um, we, like us. Please, please like us. <laughs> Quick, before they take the like button away, right? They're taking it away from everywhere. I know. I know. Multiple likes. going from Facebook now, apparently, (laughs) as well as the other places. So, so, um, yeah, that really, really helps with our ranking. Uh, It helps people find us. It helps us share good news stories. So, Yeah. And look, and and Nigel's pretty keen on sort of developing this podcast as well. So if you guys got any ideas, um, send it through. Are there more things that you'd like to hear about? Do you want to hear more international news? Do you want to hear a more formalised sort of roll-up of the news thing? Do you want it all singing, all dancing um, things? You know, um, give us your ideas of um, how we can make this podcast better because we're certainly interested. Um, and look, uh, that's probably a... a, 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 a what, what we have been able to do so far is, 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 is thanks indeed to our sponsors, which of course is Solar Analytics and um, PV Cell from SunWiz. So, um, mm. you know, Solar Analytics... Um, Look, I've been saying for a while, every 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 household should have um, analytics with their solar system. In fact, even if they didn't actually have a solar system, it would probably help them to sort of give some sort of visibility over how they use and what they use. And look, SunWiz is the go-to place, of course, to... Um, to, um, if you want to know for, what's going on in the industry or you want to design a solar system, it's pretty hard Absolutely. To we want to yeah. see opportunities out there too. So yeah. um, Warwick's done a great job in putting that together and, and a fantastic database. Um, and, and listen, next week, Giles, we'll have some announcements too. Um, um, letting the cat out of bag a little bit. But um, yeah, well, well I, won't, I won't talk about that until next week. But I've got a couple of announcements about some exciting stuff that has happened for us. And we celebrate our sixth birthday on Saturday as well. So there's a oh, fairly substantial dude. party going on. So as a start up we're like it's like dog years right we're like 70 or something but it's actually our sixth birthday since we started up so uh now we are six you now know, we are a, six i've that's got right. the whole collection of those old winnie the pooh series and things like that i'm gonna read out a poem from now we are six that's what i'm gonna do next week <laughs> thank you just wrap it up in a bit of paper 
Wrap it up in a bit of paper. Yeah. Fantastic. Mate, look, um, great to get back on, on board. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with um, Victoria and um, some things. Oh, look, oh, another thing to point out just beforehand, I've, I really should mention this. Fascinating to see what's happening in Queensland over the last um, over the, over the month of August. Get this. We've written a couple of stories about how prices went negative, you know, for about yes. six days in a row in the middle yes. of the day. Just have a guess as to what the average price of wholesale electricity in winter, in August, the last winter month in Queensland was, over the, yeah, in, in August. So, yeah, average electricity price, wholesale electricity. Three cents. Well, just about. Yeah, $4 a megawatt hour. Oh, there you go. <laughs> $4 a megawatt hour. That was the average price at 12.30 uh, for the whole month, the whole winter month, which just goes to show some of the changing dynamics we're going to see in this market. Um, and um, It's the odd merit order effect, isn't it? It's the merit order effect is effectively driving down wholesale prices in Australia, as we've been talking about for five to ten years in this industry, yep. and we're now seeing it come to fruition. Yeah. The exciting thing is that we've got the technologies to manage this because this will encourage a shift in your sort of dispatchable generation. The 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 worrying thing is is that the incumbents are just going to raise hell about it and um probably be, um yeah, so there's going to be a lot of um there's going to be a lot of toing and froing and tensions in the policy and political arena um about this saying oh you're destroying our coal assets and stuff like that and going well yeah um <laughs> um it's going to be interesting to see how this is managed um you know technically it can be managed um yeah um quite easily and we're going to see a lot of that with the um Australian Energy Market Operators Integrated System Plan which is yep. rolling out, and that was really interesting to see some of their scenarios that they were talking about. Um, when they shout out this. to the shout out to the innovative regulators and innovative, even the innovative network company people that I know, and the, even there's some in, even there's some innovative retail electricity companies out there. Shout out to all of them who are embracing this change and getting on with making it happen, rather than just sticking their heads in the sand. Shout out. And, and fighting those worthy cultural wars, cultural wars within their organisation and beyond Indeed. within the whole industry. It's, um, and that's what basically what it comes down to. Is it's really just sort of culture. But um, anyway, mate, enough of that. I think we should wrap up. So thanks again. And um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you once again to our um, sponsors. And um, we'll be back soon. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, the creators of PV Cell Software, powerful technology for solar sales and design. With free high-definition rooftop imagery in every PV Cell plan, retailers can stay ahead of the competition. Visit sunwiz.com.au, Australia's leading solar software.